What's going on, everybody? First off today, I want to get into some postseason baseball as October is ready and rolling. And boy, has it been a fun one. And also, Mets fans booing Max Scherzer. You should be ashamed of yourself booing one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And I'm going to tell you that why right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Mets fans, Mets fans, Mets fans. Shake my head. You guys were all booing Max Scherzer on Friday night, game one of the wild card series, when former national Josh Bell went yard on him in the first inning, which was so much fun to see as a former Nat. You know, I love Josh Bell and the time that he has done here. Uh, he paid his dues, and he he's he needed this moment. He wanted to get into the postseason so badly, and uh, now he's there. So I'm real happy for Josh Bell. But aside that, Max Scherzer, who is our own, one of the greatest to ever wear that curly W on his head, was booed off the mound at City Field after allowing seven runs in game one of the wild card round against the San Diego Padres. And oh my God, oh my God, I was I was livid when I saw that. Max Scherzer, this is no news to Nats fans. We know that he gives up first inning home runs. And especially in the postseason, he gives up plenty of runs in the first inning throughout the postseason. It's always been his thing. 2016 against the Dodgers. He gave up first inning, uh, one first inning run to get down in game one of the uh, the NLDS there. And that was just what we expected from him there on out. 2019, he also gave up three runs throughout the first two innings in the wild card game against the Brewers, for which we eventually came back and clawed back our way into winning that game. But Max Scherzer, man. You're going to boo him and be like, well, we paid him $43 million to dominate. Yeah, you did. And guess what? He did just that this year, didn't he? He was a pretty damn good two-starter for you guys. That's at least what I see. What the rest of the league sees. Was he still worth that $43 million? Hell yeah, he was. I just, I was in shock to see you guys boo him in the way that went down. And you know what? Why don't I have the offense? You guys loaded offense get some hits and create some runs for themselves. Get some run support in there. It's not illegal in baseball to clap back and then get some runs on the board to support your pitcher because it seems like you guys didn't do that in game one when Scherz was taking the mound and you guys booed him off that mound. That just made me so mad because you don't appreciate the greatness of Max Scherzer and what he brings you on a day-in and day-out basis as what he brought us and all the joy here in D.C. I, I just, I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say to that. If you look at the box scores and look at the games that he started in the postseason, yeah, he's given up some early home runs and early runs in situations to where it gets you in a hole early. That's just what he is at this point. He gets a little too amped up, in my opinion, for these postseason games. 
And when it's time to step up, he just hasn't really done that. Now, that's not to say he's not a great postseason pitcher. He's still hovering around the 3-4 ERA in the postseason. That's not bad. It's not Max Scherzer. But it's just what he's been, you know? Some players don't really have that extra gear in them in the postseason. A la Steven Strasburg to where he's just dominant in the postseason and it seems like nothing can ever touch him. That's just what he is. Max Scherzer's a big game pitcher. You paid him to be that. You paid him that $43 million AAV to be that guy to start game one in the wild card and then hand it over to Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in baseball, the game two. That's a good, a great one-two punch. One of the best one-two punches of all time, in my opinion. But to boo him off the mound, the audacity you guys have to boo that man off the mound after what you guys have endured as Mets fans throughout the years and what you'll continue to endure throughout the years of being Mets fans is unfathomable. And I just was disgusted by it. That was a disgusting act as what Joe Buck would say to boo the greatness of Max Scherzer off that mound. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't say it enough. You booed Max Scherzer, and that is why DC fans hate Mets fans in your stupid seven line. That's why he's ours, and he will always be ours, and I hope he does not win a championship with that franchise because they do not deserve it. And I am looking in the camera as I say this, and into your eyes if you're watching on YouTube. You see it. Locked on Nationals on YouTube if you haven't already seen it. All right. I'll step aside from Max Scherzer for a second to focus on the big picture of the postseason. And guys, three-game wildcard series has been a ton of fun to watch. A ton of fun. At first, I didn't really know what to think about it. I kind of like the you win or you go home, single-game elimination, you know? Do or die. I love those games. So much on the line. You would see the craziest scenarios to where you have, uh, like back in 2019, we had Steven Strasburg come in to dominate out of the bullpen. Different sort of situations to where it's like, yeah, you got to leave it all on the line tonight. You got to, if your closer's ready to go in the sixth inning, put them in there in the sixth inning and see what happens. If your third starter, who's maybe set to start for game two of the next series, if he's getting warmed up in the pen, you got to have him go a couple innings. That's what you got to do. Don't worry about the next series until you make it past tonight. And so I always loved that. And making the change over to a three-game series, at first I was like, ah, it kind of takes away the fun of the wild card round where it's just one game after 162 season, 62-game season. And it takes that away for you. But at the end, it was exciting. And as a fan, it was a ton of fun to watch. Now, if I was rooting for one of those teams playing in those games, then, yeah, it, it kind of sucks, especially if you fall on, the, on the, <laughs> the losing side of things and you're the victim of someone else's greatness. Like the Brewers were back in 2019, which was three years ago. So that sucks. And I understand that part from the frustrations of it when you have a 162-game season and then you have one game 
to make it on to the next round of the postseason. And they made a change to it. They added another team to the postseason. And the first two teams have buys in each division. But I'm loving it right now. Three games, why not? This weekend was filled with tons of playoff action and playoff drama. You had the Guardians dominating the Rays that went into in a game that was actually I loved watching it. I'm a big pitching tool guy. I made that known on our Twitter, locked on nationals Twitter, LO underscore nationals. You can give us a follow there. I made that known. I love a good pitching duel. Even more so than a, a complete offensive showdown to where you're putting up 10 runs for per each team and going back and forth. I love a great pitcher showdown. So that game with Tristan McKenzie on the mound, who was just dominant, completely dominant, used his slider at a perfect rate, just striking out hitters left and right. And the Rays just had no bounce back for them. They couldn't get him done. They couldn't get it done in the two games they had to play Cleveland. And that was a little frustrating for some, which is fine. But I loved it. I loved the Guardians. I think the Rays were slightly overrated coming into this year. I don't know if they made the improvements that they needed to make. And Wander Franco surely wasn't what he was thought out to be when he entered this season. Obviously, he still had a good year, but someone who's going to be one of the best shortstops in the game, he wasn't that just yet. And I think the Guardians are going to be a tricky out for the Yankees moving forward. Other than that, three games, man. I love it. And you should, too. It's something to where it's a different scene where you have just you're playing at one stadium for three games, just like a regular season series, except your season's on the line. And I love that part about it to where you have a couple games to show your stuff. And you're going to have one day off after after the regular season going into that wild card round. So you'll have time to prepare and get those pitchers ready moving on to the next round. But also want to get into some Nationals topics today as well. And obviously there's a lot to talk about still. Finishing the bottom of the barrel in 2022. Worst team in the MLB. Not enough to say about that. Obviously, we didn't expect that this year. We knew we'd be bad, but we didn't know we'd be this bad. And right now, we are tied with the Reds and the A's for the number one overall pick going into the what would be the new MLB draft lottery, which should be getting called. Uh, they said it will be in 2022 going into the off season. So I exp- no one really has a date for that yet. No one knows it. I've looked it up and they just say it'll be in 2022. So we have up until we have two and a half months. And so we'll find out if the nationals tank season was a success, but I also have some messages and takeaways from this 2022 season but first before we get to that i want to show you guys what my friends over at simply safe do best the numbers don't lie in the last decade over four billion people have chosen simply safe home security to protect their home you don't earn that trust of that many people without doing something right at simply safe your safety is the only thing that matters i know because i use simply safe in my own home they protect you with cutting edge security technology 
powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love it. I have two dogs at home. I'm always on the run, and I really need to know if they're safe or or maybe is the dog walker going to take them on time. I have all that stuff right in the palms of my own hand, and you can too. So with 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment of a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if your home cannot be reached. Our monitoring experts use propriety advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Locked on MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. That's locked on MLB to simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, with that being out of the way, let's get to use some takeaways from the Nationals 2022 season. So I have some here. As we watch going into this year, coming into this year, we didn't really have many bullpen pieces to where I was really excited about. Not at all, really. There wasn't too many highlights on this team that I was excited about, to be quite honest with you guys. But as we came around it, this Nationals bullpen was very good. And for a team that's rebuilding, we are way ahead of the process when it comes to our bullpen. Way ahead. Right now, we have Hunter Harvey, who we claimed from the Baltimore Orioles when they DFA'd him. We basically did a swap. We did it. This is not on the record, but in my mind, this is just how it works. We basically made a swap for Austin Voth and Hunter Harvey uh, back when we DFA'd Voth and claimed Harvey. And... Harvey's been awesome out of the bullpen this year. He had 39 innings pitched along with 45 strikeouts, and he carried a 2-5-2 ERA. And he played, he pitched in some high-caliber moments where we needed guys to get outs. And that's exactly what he did. He carried a 1.14 whip with him all year, only allowed .2 home runs per nine innings. This is someone who... Struck out a ton of batters in his time here. In the innings pitch, he had. Now, okay, I'm not saying that this guy is going to be one of the next great closers here, like I'm sounding it to be, but he's someone that we kind of took a gamble on. He's paid off for Mike Grizzo in that front office in D.C. And he's someone I look forward to in the future who's under team control through 2026. He's going to be someone that I view as a building block for this bullpen going forward. And with that, I expect him to be pitching and maybe he's going to be a closer for us at some time. Tanner Rady had Tommy John surgery in August this year, shut him down for the next year plus. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Hunter Harvey and as well as Kyle Finnegan, who I've talked about a lot, who I think should have been the pitcher of the year for your nationals. But Erasmo Ramirez got that. And Erasmo Ramirez is another high-caliber guy that we could talk about who was our pitcher of the year. He came in. He was the most consistent pitcher that we had coming out of the pen. He was kind of our Paolo Espino of 2022 and of last year, obviously, because Espino coming out was a, a good pitcher, a decent quality pitcher in 2021. 
Rosma Ramirez was at for 2022. But let's get to Kyle Finnegan here to where I, I, on this podcast, I have said that I love Kyle Finnegan and what he does for this team. And I view him as someone who could be a closer. I think he's actually an edge ahead of what Hunter Harvey, I just said what he was. I think Finnegan is that guy right now and is our Nationals closer going into the 2023 season. Kyle Finnegan has just done it all. He just has done it. Mike Rizzo took a chance on him after the 2019 season, signed him to a major league contract after never playing an inning in majors before. And has come in and he's made a name for himself on this team and he's gotten better each year, in my humble opinion. To where this year, I think he took the biggest step back to where he pitched 66 innings and had 70 strikeouts compared to last year, he had 66 innings and 68 strikeouts. And also, his walks were down from, he had four and a half walks per nine innings last year. Compared to this year, he had only three walks per innings on the dot. And that's down from one walk. That's big. If you aren't aware from that, that's huge, really. His hits were down this year in total, and his FIP was also down as well as fielding independent pitching. And so Kyle Finnegan is someone that is going to be a building block moving forward, as well as some other pieces. And so let's step away from the bullpen, and we're going to take a look at Nelson Cruz now, who Nelson Cruz actually is having eye surgery in October. Uh, he had a I guess how they described it was a loose piece of skin that was kind of blocking the vision in one of his eyes that could could have and has affected him over the last year, year and a half or so. Uh, and that kind of makes sense to what we've been seeing with him. He, he, he just has kind of fallen off a cliff to where he once was in 2021 with the Minnesota Twins. He was batting 295 with the 907 OPS and had... 19 home runs for them in a short amount of time in only 80, 85 games. And this year, in 2022, he's just been meh, not great, batting 234 with a 651 OPS and has only hit 10 home runs in 124 games and 500 at-bats. And that's something that, for Nelson Cruz, that's rare. And we know that. If you're a baseball fan, like I assume you are, then you know Nelson Cruz has been one of the staples throughout the MLB, and he's always been that guy that has hit a ton of home runs. He's going to get on base. But my point is for that is that with getting this fix on his eye and getting this blockage removed from him, so now he'll be able to see more, which is obviously going to open up everything to him. Like, hey, man, that's awesome. Like, I had bad eyes in high school when I played. And once I got contacts, it changed everything for me. And so I know right now, when you literally have something blocking your vision, that's going to help him moving forward. It kind of makes me think of Wilson Ramos when he had LASIK surgery and then all of a sudden came out the next year and batted 300 and had one of his best years ever and then eventually went on and got paid. That's what I think of. And I think that's going to be a great thing moving forward. And it's something that's going to be important because we want Nelson Cruz on this team as much. I, I kind of laid the lumber into him a few days ago on the show or actually really last week on the show. And that wasn't right. That wasn't a nice thing to do because now this comes out with his eye. And we all know he's been out since around September 13th 
with this eye injury. And so I was mean on that. I apologize, Nelson Cruz, because you do have value to this team. You are a locker room presence. You're someone who's been on great teams and bad teams, and you know what it takes to be a great team. And ALCS MVP, multiple-time Silver Slugger Award, multiple-time All-Star. He's someone you want on that team and in this roster moving forward. He has a mutual option with the club going into 2023. I would assume that both sides would take that up because I don't really see us spending money going into this offseason and making any real changes. So I see Nelson Cruz being on the opening day roster in 2023 and maybe looking for to trade him come that trade deadline next year in August in 2023. Now let's move on to the next one. Joey Manessis. Joey Manessis. We love Joey Manessis. Nationals fans, you love him. How can you not at this point? Joey Manessis is a mainstay for your Washington Nationals, and I'm here to tell you that right now. There's no doubt about that in my mind, that Joey Manessis will be your starting DH or first baseman or wherever they put him for 2023 and starting in February when they report down in West Palm Beach. He will be in that opening day lineup, and there's something you should be excited about with him. Joey Manessis. Do I have to go over the stats again? I will. One just last time. 324 batting average, 367 OBP with a 563 slugging percentage. Good for a 930 on base plus slugging. And someone who hit 13 home runs in his first 240 plate appearances in the pros in only 56 games. This is someone who's been waiting for this opportunity to shine on a stage like this. And he just got that this year in August when he was called up. And he never looked back. And this is someone who continues to build on what he will be doing moving forward. I don't think he provides much value defensively. We kind of saw that, that he is kind of a a one talent guy to or not one talent. Obviously, he, he's a major leaguer. He has more than one talent, but his value comes from his bat. And that's something we knew going into when we called him up. We saw the numbers that he put up in AAA and that he's been putting up over the last few seasons that this was someone who was going to get it done at the plate. Will he get it done in the field? Probably not. And that's just that's fine. In this day and age, I know defense defense is obviously something that we should value in a way, but I still value bats at about 70 percent over that 30 percent hedge of a fielding and. That's just what I think of it. I know you have different philosophies, but I'm here to tell you why what I think about it. And that's why Joey Manessis is in my 2023 opening day lineup, and he will have a starting spot on this team. Unless something crazy unforeseen happens to where we spend money, um, maybe we, we trade for someone that takes up his spot, or maybe we trade Joey Manessis and we capitalize on the value that he had through the last few months of the season, maybe a team sees him as a piece to where what they would want. And maybe we get a pitcher in return or a minor, some lottery ticket in a minor league prospect to where they could help us down the line in a little bigger fashion than the way in Joey Manessis will be helping us over the next year or two. So it'll be something to watch going into this off season, but I say Joey Manessis is a mainstay for your Washington Nationals. So I want to put a bow on this by just saying 
I think the bullpen is something that I will talk about a lot this coming off season. And I didn't even get to mention that we have three studs in the minor league system that are ready pretty soon. I can tell you Jose Frere, who's a left-handed pitcher, who's got a mean fastball. He's going to be someone who has already dominated in the minor league level. I can pull up the stats for you right now. He had a 2.48 ERA in 65 innings pitch, only gave up eight home runs. Batters had a 2.22 batting average against him. He had 78 strikeouts. Someone that I'm looking forward to, as well as Zach Brzezicki, who was an undrafted free agent after the 2020 MLB draft, where they only had five rounds. But this year, he was probably our best bullpen piece in the Nationals farm system, battling a 176 ERA, 61 innings pitch, and a 157 batting average, striking out 95 hitters in 61 innings pitch. He's someone who I expect to see in the major league level this coming season. He dominated in AAA when he got there, and he's someone that I'm super excited about to potentially be a closer or someone down the line in the national system. And then Matt Cronin, someone who I thought to see this season, maybe at the end of the year call up, but we didn't get to see that. He's a lefty in AAA as we speak, or obviously he's in the offseason now, but he had 52 innings pitched this year, only given up 35 hits, 22 walks, and 56 strikeouts with hitters batting 190 against him. He's someone, again, who I see helping this bullpen in 2023. And maybe he's on that opening day roster for for this upcoming season. And I see him helping us out in a big way and improving this bullpen even more. And so I think this is, to wrap up this whole conversation, I think the bullpen was something that we really slept on. And and watching the postseason, you know the bullpen is something that you need to win a championship. It's not a guarantee that the best bullpens win it all, but I guarantee you they help you. 2019, look at us. We had one of the worst bullpen ERAs for a regular season team entering the postseason, but we had four guys that we knew were solid coming out of the pen, and we had Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and other guys to lay on coming out to eat a couple innings out of the bullpen as well, who were usual starters. And so we leaned on those guys, and that's what helped us propel us to that 2019 championship. And I think that these three guys in the minors can help you do just that, as well as Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, and Tanner Rainey when he's back from his UCL surgery with Tommy John. Before we moved on, guys, I'd just like to send a message out to all the MLB listeners, because I know you guys are keeping on with the Nationals and the postseason. And I just like to thank you guys for what you always do and your continued support for this team and for this podcast. Obviously, I don't want to keep you guys too long because you have some, obviously, you have postseason baseball to watch at this point. So, but also, you guys should check out the Locked On MLB podcast. Your host, John Sullivan, he's going to do a great job doing that. I watch it every day, and this is just something that you should do as well because the Locked On MLB podcast is something that should be in your mainstay. So thanks for making Locked On Nationals your first listen today. Now make your second lock, your second listen to Locked On MLB podcast with MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective 
on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, fellas, you enjoy the postseason. If you have any questions, please feel free to DM me at RyanClary11 on Twitter, or you can DM the Twitter page, LO underscore Nationals. I repeat, LO underscore Nationals. You can find me on Twitter at RyanClary11. And do that. Give us a follow. Send us a DM. Maybe something you want to see. Maybe something that you don't want to see. Or, or maybe you just want to talk baseball. My DMs are open. I pride myself in, in connecting with the people and the listeners. So please reach out. Tell me something you want to see. Tell me an interview you want to see. Give me advice. Whatever you want. My ears are open. And I love to listen to you guys as you do to me. So thank you guys. And you have a good day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the day.